message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. Praise God. How many of us are ready to hear God's word? Already? You know, when you're ready, there's a response. There's a different response when you're ready. I'm not quite sure what your response is. Yours is more like, I'm not quite sure. Do I really want to hear God's word? Or I can just as well go to sleep. You know, as you do when the message is going on, you just go to bed. And you wake up refreshed when we are done. But there are those who don't go to sleep when the word is going on. They live here motivated. They live here inspired. Do you know why? Because God's word is designed to inspire you. It's designed to recreate something inside of you that is much more than you ever think or imagine. That's God's word. And when you're ready, you are almost at the edge of your seat waiting to catch it. You know, have you ever been thrown a, a, a ball? And you go, are you ready? You don't just go, yes, I'm ready and sit down. Yeah, I'm ready. No, you know, you're ready. If you're ready, your posture, your positioning, the way you sit determines how ready you are. So this morning, are you ready for God's word? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Can I, can I, give you, can I tell you a secret? You see, God's word comes to us um, fresh, um, but at the same time, we determine how we receive it. If you are not waiting to catch it, it might just land and, you, and you're still waiting for it. And you're thinking, have we finished? What just happened? You don't want to be like Jacob that said, oh, God was here and I didn't know it. But you want to always be ready. So if we're ready, can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Lord, I'm ready. You're going to speak through me today, God. My wisdom, my own knowledge will be completely eradicated from this discussion so that you can speak through me unadulterated. And Father, you've prepared us to hear your word today. And that is why you are changing things, God. So I ask you, Lord, prepare us as a vessel where your word fits in perfectly. Let your word become the, the last piece of the puzzle that fits right in perfectly, showing us a picture of what you have promised and where you are taking us. Lord, we thank you. We give ourselves to you. We release ourselves to you. We open our hearts to you so that you can speak into our season. You can speak into our situation. You can speak in the atmosphere so that your anointing and your grace and favor would change the cause of our lives for good according to your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'll say a big one, amen. amen. Great. 
Now, last week, you may be seated. Last week, we started off with the process of fruitfulness. And if you were here with us last week, you remember there were a few things, uh, the foundations that we laid. And we are continuing on from there. And our text was Genesis chapter 26. And that text is also our main text for the year. You know, we've heard from a few people this morning who keeps reiterating our vision or our word for the year, which is fruitfulness and abundance. And if you remember, we talked about how Isaac was in the land of Gerah and God told him, yes, I know, there's famine in this land, but hey, don't live here. Stay in this land and I will bless you. And Isaac obeyed God's voice and, and the Bible said in verse 12, it said, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. For the Lord blessed him. And we realize that just within that verse 12, it's, that verse 12 is loaded. Because it's easy for you to say, and he planted. Where did he get the seed from? And he planted, but there was famine in the land. Was the land fruitful? Was the land uh, nutritious? What, 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 was the land ready? So there must have been a few things that Isaac did that had the land ready for fruitfulness. Now, when God said to Isaac, Isaac, stay in the land and I will bless you. He didn't say, I will bless the land because of you. He said, I will bless you. So in other words, the blessing was on on Isaac, not on the land. Because if we remember, there was famine in the land. So in other words, when God blesses you, wherever you go will be favored because of you. Whatever friends you make, They would just glean from the fruitfulness in your life. You know, I always tell people, when you go for an interview, and this is not a way of trying to suit your troubles, no. Uh, When you go for an interview and you are completely sure you were going to get this job and then they don't take you, be happy. Be glad. Walk away, chin up, shoulders high, be glad. But look back at them and go, you just lost (laughs) Because you know who you are. You know what you have. You know that the blessing is on your life. You know. And any organization you go into, you're carrying the blessing to that organization. They should be happy, not just lucky, but they should be happy that they have you. And when they don't have the insight to get you in, they've just lost They've just lost. In Job, Job was praying. He said, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So the problem might be looking at you and go, oh, well, he's too tall for the job. Oh, he's not, you know, big enough for the job. Or he does not have the kind of experience that he requires to do the job. They are observing lying vanities. In other words, they are observing your condition, your situation but not really looking at something that they can't really see, actually, because if they can't see, they can't can take advantage. 
But there's a blessing lying inside of you that wherever you go, you become the light to that organization. You become the light to that environment. Why? Because God says, stay in the land and I will bless you. The blessing is on your life. The blessing is not on the land. It's on your life. 'Say to someone, the blessing is on your life. That is why whatever you put your hands to do prospers because you are the blessed one. You are the blessed one. So today, we're still on the topic of the process of fruitfulness. Because we realize when you have a seed, you need to be able to look for, the, for a fertile soil, the good place to plant them. Otherwise, it might not grow. Otherwise, it might grow up and something might happen halfway through that will cause the, the growth to be stunted. And you don't want to do that to your precious seed. Because the seed is precious to you, is the promise of the future. Why? Because in every seed is a potential forest. True? Am I talking to myself yet? Okay, great. In every seed is a potential forest. So if you look at every seed that you have, considering that this is a potential growth, a potential wealth, a potential uh, a forest, you keep it well. You water it. You protect it. You won't let it burn. Today, we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 41. You know, Joseph grew up as a light in his house, but he was a dim light when he started. He was so dim. He was number 11 of, of 12 children. How many of you are there? I'm not quite sure. First and foremost, I will congratulate your parents for giving birth to 12. You know, I come from a big family. I think... I can't quite wrap my head around how many of us are there, but I think we're about six or seven. And I'm right in the middle. Three here, three there. Right in the middle. Perfect sandwich, I say. But Isaac or Joseph was not even right in the middle. He was not the first. He was not the second. He was not the middle child. He was not the last. So he was in a position that was unrecognizable. He was in a position that you can't even make reference to. So somehow, his position didn't really count. But somehow, his father loved him. And his father... And we all know why his father loved him, because um, his mother was the love of Jacob's life. And he wanted to, there's a whole background story to that. He wanted to marry, uh, you know, Rachel first, but the the father-in-law kind of, you know, tricked him through. Oh, well, yeah. And instead of giving him Rachel, after he has served for seven years, 
He gave the older sister. And he said, no, but, but no, this was not what I searched for for seven years. He said, okay then, you know, in my village, uh, the younger child does not get married before the older child. So, hey, if you want to marry the younger child, you might as well uh, marry the older child first, then serve another seven years if you really want the love of your life. Say, so, oh, all right then, I will. So that was really love. So he served for 14 years just to get the love of his life. For 14 years. That's commitment. That's commitment. How many of you can commit to that? To serve for 14 years. To wait, to court for 14 years. Right? Just to wait around this lady until she says yes. And all this time, she's always saying when you're thinking, I'm not letting go. I really love you. I'm not letting go. And you waited for the first seven years. And she was about to say yes. And all of a sudden, she saw a particular situation around you. And she feels like, no, I can't deal with this. Oh, so you're going to be a pastor. No, I don't want to marry a pastor. And then you go, no, 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 sorry. No, you know what? Yeah, I know I'm a pastor. Some, some of you at that point, you will renounce. No, I'm not going to be a pastor. I just love you. But, but she, you know, he persevered. He persevered until after 14 years. He got Rachel. And then he got Rachel. The worst thing happened. Rachel couldn't have children. The first wife, who is Rachel's older sister, had the ability to have children. She was fertile. She had the first, the second, the third, the fourth. And when she saw that she was too old to have children, she got her servant to start having children for her husband. That's terrible. And then... Rachel thought, that's a good thing. That's a good idea, a good concept. I have a servant too who can have children on my behalf. Jacob, he was terrible. He didn't care. Just kept, okay, anyone that can have children, put your name down, basically. <laughs> Provided you're under my roof, yep, ready to go. But finally, the Bible says God blessed Rachel, and Rachel had her first child, and that was Joseph. Can you see why Jacob loved Joseph, even though Joseph was in a position that was unrecognizable? Because he was the child of his love. And then he bought him a coat of many colors. So don't forget, Judah and all of those other ones, they looked at this guy. Dad has never done this before. And to you, you little thing, you stole in Dad's heart. And they hated him. And worst case scenario, Joseph goes to bed like every other person, but he wakes up in the morning and opens his big mouth and says, you know what, guys? I just dreamed. Okay, and what's your dream? Literally, he just told them, I just realized when I grew up that all of you were buying down before me. I was the big boss, and you guys were the slaves. That was what he was telling them, because they all understood his dreams. And every time he told them that he was the boss and they were the slave, they hated him the more. And then he goes back to bed. He kept dreaming. 
This guy was a dreamer. Well, however, he was a dreamer without knowledge. He was a dreamer without wisdom. Because he would have been careful who he told his dreams to. But all things work together for good. So he kept telling his dreams. So even when, the more they hated him, the more he opened his mouth and told his dreams. And one day, he went to his father, or rather while he was telling his dreams to his brother, his father was passing by and saw him. What was he saying? He just stood by, the mom stood by and went, let's listen to this boy. Let's listen to why these guys really hate him. And he said, um, I had a dream, and uh, in that dream, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars all bowed down before me. What? The sun, that means the father. The moon, your mom. And the 11 stars, all my 11 brothers. Bowing down before you, the father called him, okay, all right, all right, enough, enough. Come, 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 come. You see, but right there, the Bible said that Jacob kept that word in his heart. I, I don't know, but Joseph, J- Jacob was smart. He was wise. But I think at, at, at one point he dropped the ball because he, would, he wouldn't have sent the little boy to his brothers in the field. He did send him. And his brothers thought, oh, today's the day. They caught him. They decided in, in the first place to kill him. When we kill him, let's watch how that dream is going to come to pass. I'm not sure how many of you are there in your life where you're feeling like you're, you're feeling so pressurized because of something in your heart that you feel God has laid in there. But everything around you feels like it's going against you. It's going against you. And you're thinking, so what am I going to do? But God, you gave me a promise, but it feels like nothing is going to happen because my life is so, my life is upside down. And the worst case scenario at times is that you don't even hear God saying anything to encourage you to keep going. You know, at times he doesn't. Because at times he doesn't have to. But the truth is, he's always speaking if you care to listen. And finally, one of the nice brothers changed their mind and came up with a grander design, a grander idea. Let's throw him in the pit. Let's leave him there. So they threw him in the pit. And while he was still there, they left him. They went to do their own thing. And the traders, Arab traders who were going to Egypt, were coming along. You all know the story. You know, they were coming along. They thought, oh, this is the best way to get rid of this guy. At least we will never hear of him again. Let's sell him. They sold him for how much? 20 pieces of silver. Just a little less than the, how much they sold Jesus. Just a little less. They sold Jesus for 30. So let's just say 30 cents. I'm not, but I think in our world it's about 30 cents today. So they sold him. They got rid of him. And then they went back to dad and said, dad, Oh, we saw your coat of many colors, but with blood splashed all over it, it feels like Joseph has been killed. They all lied. You know, at times, you'll find a reason to just lie because it gets, it gets you out of trouble. In the meantime, fast forward another 13 years, it catches up with you. 
because 13, actually, 13 plus 7, that's 20 plus 1, 21, 22. Another 22 years, it catches up with you. Because the time, the next time that they saw Joseph after he's been sold to the land of slavery was after 13 years first before he stood before Pharaoh and then seven years of fruitfulness, then the first, second year of famine. So about 21, 22 years later. But where I want to take you to is Genesis 41. If you're there, that will be fantastic. And in Genesis 41, the Bible tells us how that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a dream. And this dream, he had no one to interpret it. And somehow, they found Joseph, who could interpret it? Never forget that Joseph was a dreamer himself. You see, what you give yourself to and what you hone, the kind of skills that you hone is the kind of things that God places his blessings upon. He makes it work well for your good. At first, he was not an interpreter. He was just a dreamer. But gradually, he honed that skill. And right in the prison where he was held bound, he found himself interpreting dreams for his, you know, prison mates. For some of us, we will be so angry that but God says I was going to be the king and rule over my family and every other person. So what am I, what am I doing here in prison? So you get so angry and become bitter that you don't even help other people. But Joseph wasn't like that. Every time he had the opportunity to interpret dreams, he thought, that's my passion, guys. That's my passion. Bring it on. Let's do it. Did you dream? And I'm not even sure. Probably he goes around asking them, how was your night? Did you sleep well? Did you dream? Because he was looking for opportunity to let his passion and his skills talk. So these two guys had a dream one day and came to Joseph and said, Joseph, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure, but how, you know how you were asking the other day uh, if I dreamt? Last night I just dreamt. And then they told him his dreams, and their dreams, and, uh, and Joseph said, yeah, 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 I can interpret that. Uh, for you, I'm so sorry, they're going to have your head, uh, but for you, you're going to go back to the king, and you'll be restored back to your position. He said, but for you, I'm going to ask you, please, when you stand before the king, can you tell him about me so that at least I can be free? Just tell him I'm a nice boy. You know, I really don't do bad things. I know Potiphar threw me here thinking I was going to sleep with his wife, but I, I did not. Just tell him this story, please, would you? And the guy said, yeah, 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 I will, I will, I will. And the Bible tells us that the guy left the prison and forgot Joseph. Have you ever felt that way in your life where you feel like you've been forgotten by people who you've helped. And you were thinking the people that you've helped was your, your way to fruitfulness, 
your way to abundance. Because you already, in your head, you already mapped out the strategy. This is going to work. You see, the more I work with Uche and I work with him, after three years, I'm going to become a partner in his organization. You see, and the contract, and Uche even went halfway into drawing up a new contract and got me to sign. But two months just before the three years was up, there was a clause in the contract that I didn't see. And Uche pulled up that, that clause and went, sorry, man, can't work with you anymore. You go, oh, come on. I was going to be a partner. We're going to co-own this thing. We started this organization together, but it's not working anymore. And you feel bitter. You feel forgotten. But can I say to you that God does not take you to anywhere that he does not prepare you for something much more. He prepares you for something more. You might have felt like you've just wasted your time here and you thought you were going to be a partner with this person. But halfway through, you were kicked out. But can I say to you, You've just garnered, you've just learned a whole lot of, you've just gained experiences of how to do something that you never knew before. And every time you fall, don't just stand up alone, pick up something. Learn something. Learn something. And learn more how to trust in God even when it doesn't feel right. Learn how to trust in him even when everything seems to go against you. Do you know why? Because he loves you. He loves you. So this guy left. Joseph was left in the prison. And the Bible says, verse 1, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. Interesting, in verse 20, 22, and 25, we realized that Joseph started to tell Pharaoh that it was God that gave you the dream. I'm going to ask you a question. In your mind, on a blank sheet of paper, write Pharaoh and write God and tell me the relationship between two of them. There has never been a good relationship. God has never really, you know, or rather, Pharaoh has never really loved God. He was always against God. He was always out to prove that, well, if it's not one of the gods in Egypt, he doesn't exist. That was why when Moses was going back to Pharaoh, he said, who do I tell Pharaoh you are because you are not part of those gods in Pharaoh's court? And God said to Moses, just tell him I am. And Moses thought, that's strange. There's no I am in Pharaoh's court. All right, I'll go anyway. So Pharaoh really has no connection with God. But God gave him a dream. I know what you're thinking. Because God can use anyone to get to you. He can use anyone, even the worst of people. He can use anyone just to get to you. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled. 
can use anyone. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, verse 1. The world and they that dwell therein. He said the world and they who live in it. The hearts of the king, the Bible says, is in God's hand. He does whatever he wills to it. The earth belongs to God. So Pharaoh was given a dream by God, the kind of dream no one could interpret. Only one person can interpret it. If you read that verse, uh, chapter 41, you realize that all the wise men in Egypt, don't forget at that time in the world, Egypt was the center of civilization. So the smartest of guys were in Egypt. But all the wise men of the king could not interpret the dream that Pharaoh had. And he was troubled. He could have had other dreams that didn't trouble him, but this particular one troubled him. Until he said, well, if you can't interpret my dream, I'm going to have your heads. And he starts thinking, oh, no. And then this butler, who had promised Joseph two years prior, remembered, oh, king, can I have a word with you? There's this guy. And he described Joseph. And the king said, go get him. So right there, they got to Joseph and said, it looks like the king needs you. Apparently, you can interpret dreams. So he came to the king. And the king said, well, not quite sure what to expect from you. You see all those guys, they're smarter than you. They look smarter. They look wiser. They look more schooled. Yeah, more experienced. But apparently, you have been doing amazing work with dream interpretation. Fire on. He said, okay, tell me the dream. He said, okay, and this is the dream I've dreamt, and this, and that, and that. I'll just tell you the dreams. <clears throat> Pharaoh dreams. Five kinds, and let's call them cows, okay, came out of the river. Big, fat cows. Oh, not five, seven cows came out of the river. Big, fat one, and they were eating grass. And all of a sudden, they were skinny little fat, you know, cows, very skinny, came out of the same river as well and stood beside these fat cows. And then what surprised him was that these skinny cows ate up all these big, fat cows. And that freaked him out. And then that was the first dream. Then the second dream was just similar to the first one. And Joseph said, I get you. He didn't freak out by what freaked the king out. So every time it was, you know, the king was saying the dream, he, I think Joseph was just get, getting excited in his spirit. I, you know, I, I, I've had even more technical dreams. I've had, I've had more complicated dreams than this. You just finish and I'll tell you. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Why would God be telling Pharaoh what he is about to do? Are you thinking with me? Why would God be telling Pharaoh? 
Pharaoh wasn't a friend of God. Pharaoh does not even understand that God existed. But why would God be telling Pharaoh what he's about to do in a space of 14 years? All right. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good herds of grains are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows, seven lean, ugly cows. All right. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grains caused by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. So that was the interpretation. Are you still with me? All right. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows, it will be so severe. The reason... The dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. God has decided this is what's going to happen in your land. And God will do it soon. And you know what? That will even freak Pharaoh out even more. And this is where I'm taking you to. Verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up, store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. Where I'm taking you is this. Pharaoh told his dreams. And he said, Joseph, interpret. Joseph interpreted the dream and submitted his proposal. Did you get it? His proposal was not part of the dream. The guy was smart. He knew this is the time God has prepared me for. Straight away, he said, let the king look for a wise man who can do this so that you set commissioners around him. And if you look at verse 38, the king said, who else can do this except the one who has already laid the plan? Say, and that looked like you, Joseph. So you're going to do it. And right there, the Bible says, God, um, not God, uh, Pharaoh gave him a linen robe, took out his ring and put it in his hand. And said, from today onward, everyone in Egypt will bow to this man who had indescribable position in his family, unrecognizable position in his family. All of Egypt will bow to him, and he will have authority over the whole lands in Egypt, and the only thing that will be free from under your authority is my own house. Say, so, but you will tell people to rise and fall in Egypt. And right there, people bowed to him as though he was Pharaoh. Can I say to you that the 13 years, because Pharaoh was 17 years old, hey, 17 years old when he was sold into 
the land of slavery. Uh, Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old. And uh, at the time when he stood with Pharaoh and interpreted the dream, he was 30. For 13 years, he waited for fruitfulness. He waited for the seed to grow. Are you still here? For 13 years, he waited for the for the seed to sprout at all. I'm not sure how many of you have that patience. But all I'm saying to you is that this year is called a year of fruitfulness. In other words, for those of you who have been waiting, it's about to sprout. It's about to sprout. And for some of you, you've, you've stopped sowing. You've stopped seeding. You've stopped doing things that used to support uh, the things that you love doing. But I'm saying to you today, Never stop. Never stop helping. Don't let your attitude get in the way. Don't let your anger, your impatience get in the way. Because that will ruin where you're going. That will ruin where you're going. You see, last week we talked about it. The your Chinese bamboo tree, all right, it takes five years for it to sprout the first time. You sow it, it's there for five years. You're waiting, waiting. Wait. When we're kids, right, um, I used to love meat. I don't anymore for some reason. Um, but they give us meat, and meat was really scarce in my days when I was growing up. And they give us meat, and I really like this meat. And I'll eat part of it and leave the other part and go out to the garden and plant it and put it inside the soil because I really like it. It was precious to me, and I want to have more of it. And they told me when you plant something and it grows, you get more. Yeah, that was when I was a child. <laughs> but if you really want something to grow, let it go. Plant it. Walk for it to grow. Look after it. Water it. Let's say, I'm not sure, by miracle, I'm not sure how that would ever happen to meat that is cooked. But let's say by miracle, and I thought, it's going to grow, it's going to grow, it's going to grow. You know, as kids, you, you go back there. Every second, you're going back to check if it's grown. You know, the following morning, you can't wait to wake up. And you quickly go, oh, is it still growing? And then you see ants around it. No, come on, guys. Get out. Leave my meat alone. It's meant to grow. I'm not sure how many of you are keen about your seed until you see it grow. Are you keen about it? Are you keen about it? Or are you allowing your attitude to take over? Are you allowing the way you respond to other people to take over? And can I say to you, one way of allowing your seed to grow is how you respond to other people. It's not about how you respond to yourself. It's how you respond to other people. Are you still supportive? Are you still loving? Do you still love people? Do you still love God in the same way? Because when you sow a seed, there's a waiting time. That waiting time is the dying time. That dying time is terrible because it requires your patience. Is this ever going to get better? Is my relationship ever going to work out? Is my school ever going to call me back? Am I always going to be an international student for the rest of my life? I know there are some people who have been international students for 10 years and, and they're waiting just for something to happen. Not because they really love study. But they just have to keep studying to keep themselves on. Yeah? Yeah? 
Yeah? Hey, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God is looking at you. God knows. God sees you. God sees you. But it's not like God is allowing you or he has caused you to go through that. No. Circumstances may have caused you to go through that, but God has got your back. You know, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps Israel does not sleep nor slumber. He always has your back. He has your best interest at heart. Although it tarries, but it won't, it won't, it won't last long. Before you know it, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. Do you know why? Because you might just be at the brink of breakthrough. So don't give up now. Don't feel like, well, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to throw in the towel. No, 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 don't give up now because you are closer now than ever. You are closer to breakthrough than ever right now. And because he has called you, he knows what he has made you of. He knows your content. He knows your makeup. He knows that, you know, you're not just by yourself. You know, so many years ago, someone came to me, uh, I think in the year 2000, uh, someone came to me and said, uh, Marcus, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah? He said, I had a dream, and during service, it, it, because we are church, so during service, God spoke to me. He said, I've made you a bread to the nation. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? So she, you know, said a whole lot of things about it, and then, as though that was not enough, the following day, she came with two or three pages of, you know, things that she's written according to the revelation that she got, and she gave it to me. So I read through them, and I'm like, yeah, great. Fast forward seven years, eight years, when things started going really bad. I went back to those things and said, where's the bread to the nation here? It's really terrible now, God. I don't even feel like a crumb. How much more? A loaf. It looks really terrible, God. What's going to happen? And the interesting part is, he really does not say anything at that point. You just have to go back to his word and say, okay, okay Lord, all right. I've been silly. I've been questioning you. Okay, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay. And at times, you don't even know how you live from one day to another. Because you look at your resources, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't match up. Come on. How many of you, I'm not quite sure, for those of you who work in faith, your resources, your salary does not match up with your expenses. At times, you, it feels like you're spending more, although you're getting less. And you're kind of thinking, so what is going on? God is saying, I kept you. I kept you. When the children of Israel went through the land of Egypt for 40 years, he said, your clothes never got ruined. Your shoes, you never had to change them. So I sustained you for 40 years. Sustained you. Do you know God is sustaining you until Pharaoh has his dream? God is preparing you for Pharaoh to have his dream. Because when Pharaoh has his dream, that's your opportunity. And when you are called in, come with a proposal. Come with a proposal. Start. Get ready to get into, into the job. You want to lead the country. You want to lead the environment. You want to lead the city. Hey, get ready. And I'm not quite sure what God has called you into. But if God has called you, he will give you a dream. He will give you a vision. And start getting ready for it. Even at the lowest of time, still sit there and go, I remember what you said I will be. I remember what you said, where you said I will go. I, re I remember, I remember God. I remember, although I'm right here right now, I will not always be here because I know I can see where you're taking me. And you can only see that by faith because things can be so terrible as though nothing is existing. 
but only you might just be right at the center of everything. And you're going, God, God, I thank you. And be grateful to him even when it's not convenient. Be grateful. Hey, be grateful. Tell someone, be grateful. For inconvenience. <laughs> oh, come on. Be grateful for bad times. Mm. Be grateful. Be grateful. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Be grateful. You know, for some of you at home, you, you're, really, you're really angry. You're, you've been possibly telling your husband or your wife or your, you know, other, whatever, you know, your kids, say, come on, this is a daddy. Come on, fix it. No one is doing anything. I'm the only one in this house just doing all the dishes. Be grateful for dirty dishes. Because if there weren't food, there won't be dirty dishes. Be grateful. Come on, be grateful. So there's a bill. There's a bill. Another bill in the mail. I hate bills, of course. But be grateful for bills. It's because you are alive. It's because they even care about you to put you down. Be grateful. Come on. Do you know why? Because for some of you, your dream is to get into even a bigger bill. You want to buy a house at some point. No one ever buy houses cash down unless you're a drug dealer. <laughs> you get where I'm going, right? It's true. You always, even when you're a drug dealer, you know when you pay the whole amount at the same time, the police will come after you. <laughs> they will come after you. So you want to go through the bank and beg them to borrow you money. To borrow you money so that every month you can pay back. So the little bills that you think you are avoiding now, that is what you are working towards anyway. So be grateful. In fact, when you get the little bill in your mail, just learn how to manage it because when the mortgage comes, if you don't know how to man manage electricity bill, you can't manage mortgage. You get it? It's true. Be grateful. Be grateful. When it seems bad, it does not mean God sees it as bad. You know, darkness covers, will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the light, the Lord will rise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. That's what the word says, right? Because he calls you the light of the world. And you only shine brighter when it's darker. Right? Oh, come on, turn the you know, candlelight on right now. Or, you know, put your flash on. Your flash on your phone. Put it on. No one really, they will hardly notice. Well, yeah, I can see you, but it's not a big deal. But let's turn off the whole light. And it's only your flashlight that is on. We all navigate towards you. Why? Because we want to see where you are and where you are leading. You become the light regardless of the darkness. Be grateful. Be grateful. So the process of fruitfulness is that God wants you to learn through the waiting time. God wants you to learn through the waiting time. There's a waiting time. It's the dying time. And until the seed falls down and dies, it abides alone. It abides alone. So the seed does not just remain fresh. Before it sprouts, it dies first. Tell someone, before it sprouts, it dies first. Are you waiting? Are you ready to hear the news? Because it has to die first.
None of us wants that dying part. It's not interesting. It feels like a loss. It feels like we are losing. It feels like everything that... We, it, don't forget, it was precious. Oh, think about my meat that I planted in the soil. It was precious to me. If I knew it was going to die, do you think I would put it in there? <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Because I wanted to grow without the process. I wanted to grow. I want to see more of it without the process. But there's a process for everything. There's a time for everything. And the process of the growth of your seed is that it first will die. And when it dies, what is the condition of your heart? Would you believe beyond the death of your seed for it to rise again? We'll continue from here next time. Would you believe? The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com.